0: Greetings, humans. Richard here. Um, I'm going to share with you today a conversation I actually recorded maybe a month ago uh, with a fellow called Seth Bush, Bush. and Seth is in Pennsylvania, I think, somewhere in the States, and he's doing a lot of uh, local neighborhood organizing. And from the conversation, I get the impression that, yeah, they're doing some really cool stuff at the the hyper-local scale, they're creating a lot of social capital, social fabric doing mutual aid and stuff. Sounds really cool. Um, So we talked about, yeah, what he's up to. Um, We talked about legal structures, like they're wanting to have some collective finances and what's the appropriate structure to put that in. We talked about uh, scaling or replicating, like how to grow from one super local neighborhood to many neighborhoods, because obviously there's lots of neighborhoods that would like to be better connected. Um, We also touched a little bit on some of my perspective, I guess, on how the Priorities and the approach within micro solidarity. just a little different from the main currents that you see in contemporary social justice movements like Kind of carefully exploring like why does micro solidarity do things a bit different than than a lot of social justice spaces do um, And then at the end of the conversation we kind of switched roles and Seth gave me some really good advice about how I can be a better coach So it was really a nice um, place to end it on Um, Incidentally, Seth is a friend, well, we're mutual friends of of Jonas Groner, who's someone that I talked with on a previous episode. I'll add the link. Um, Jonas is really rad. He's another community organizer and coach. Um, So yeah, follow up with Jonas as well. He's um, doing climate activism in uh, Austria, I think. I'm I'm probably getting people confused now. But anyway, um, maybe the last thing to say is, on this conversation, we mentioned the micro solidarity gathering coming up in Denver, uh, that's now sold out. There's no more spaces, but uh, we will be in Denver for like the first week of November. So if you're around that area and you wanna hang out, just um, drop a comment. Okay, I'll let the video roll. Thanks for watching. So connection, maybe you can start by telling me, how do you know, Jonas, and then yeah. we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, um, we both have trained with the Academy for Coaching Excellence mm-hmm. based in, in Sacramento, California. That's the, the coach training program that we've been through. And I've never met Jonas, um, but we have a really alive and vibrant Slack community of coaches. It's like one of the best parts of being, having gone through this school is this like community of people who are continuously mutually supporting one another. And one day Jonas posted, I think he actually posted, uh, his reflections from the micro solidarity gathering, uh, was it in Germany or Belgium? Belgium. Mm -hmm. Um, and he just shared it out with the group. And I was like, I hadn't really even connected with him yet, but I read, you know, his take on the micro solidarity gathering. And then I was like, I need to talk to Jonas. So we talked and and hit it off and just grooved for a while. And he said, you need to talk to Rich. So um, we were just grooving on some of the work that we were each doing in our own places and how we were bringing our coaching skill sets into it. And uh, it was just very, very alive. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's how we connected.
0: Cool. Um, I will now or later uh, like to know how I can be a better coach because I do some coaching, but with no, no training of any kind and I'm really going by feel and that's okay, but I know I could do a lot better.
1: I have. kind of about that. Great.
0: You said, you said that, um, reading the micro solidarity stuff helped give you language for what you already knew. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'm in that stage of like, I do okay, but I just need someone to help crystallize what I already know and give me some pointers to where the gaps are.
1: Yep. And to have like a really tangible, I, I'd say, toolkit, set of practices, and synthesized way of being coach with people. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so powerful to go through a training experience. There's so many different routes you can go. Um, I like mine, <laughs> um, but I can also vouch for several others. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, happy to share about that for sure.
0: Cool. Um, maybe, maybe it's more interesting for now though to talk about the local community stuff. Um, and maybe the coaching fits in at the end of that, but yeah. tell me, yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, we, um, so my background and actually what got me into coaching to begin with was I was, uh, been like community organizing grassroots organizing. So uh, I started organizing in college and doing community work in college, specifically around climate and the climate crisis and sustainability And ended up working for the Sierra Club for a number of years um, in the city of Baltimore and a little bit here in Pittsburgh area as well, Pennsylvania. Um, But, um, you know, that kind of like programming of, okay, this is how to do community organizing. Here's how to motivate people. Here's how to empower people. Here's how to build power towards uh, an outcome that you want mixed with the coaching mindset of seeing everybody as having goals and dreams and a desire to make a difference and, um, having their own answers. And I think really having a, I I really believe, and I've learned this through coaching that everybody wants to make a contribution where they are. Yeah. And then I bought a house in, uh, you know, I had been living in rentals in various communities around, but then I bought a house in this borough right outside of the city of Pittsburgh, the borough is called Swissvale, And then the pandemic happened uh, about a year or two after that. And I saw, wow, I don't, I'm not connected with my neighbors. Like, here's this really intense thing that's happening. And I feel like I'm having my needs met, thank goodness, but I'm definitely seeing some neighbors around me who aren't. And I don't feel a sense of connection to have conversations and the skills to work together to figure out how do we meet those. Mm-hmm. And I did some mutual aid projects in Pittsburgh broadly, but never really felt super connected where I am. And I started sharing this with my buddy, Andrew, and he turned me on to this idea of municipalism. Um, have, you, have you heard the book, Fearless Cities?
0: Yeah, I went yeah. to a couple of the conferences.
1: Oh, awesome. So we both read Fearless Cities together. We actually just did a book study of it in uh, in our area with some more folks very recently, but um, we really latched onto this idea of, okay, how do we cultivate a sense of dual power in our area? Because our local elected officials are good people. Like I've yeah. worked to help get them elected. They're really wonderful. They just have zero resources. And People in our people just tend to complain about why aren't you doing more borough council? And so we said, well, let's see what we can do to actually uh cultivate a sense that we have, we are the borough and we have the power to actually help each other meet our needs here where we are. And at the time, Andrew was living across the street from me. So we um lashed onto this idea of there's a lot of vacant lots. There's a lot of land in our community. We live in a very our our borough is pretty pretty diverse and then our street is like the most diverse of of the borough, I would say in terms of race and economic background and age and ability and et cetera. Um, And part of the challenge is we have a lot of vacant houses, falling down houses, blighted land, unused land. Um, So we went door to door with a survey and said, hey, we know everybody in the neighborhood sees this. I'm your neighbor, we've never talked. I want to know you better. And hey, we're doing this thing around vacant land to better understand what do people want to see happen here? Um, and so we did this survey, big takeaway was, was we got a lot of takeaways, a lot of, you know, interests, dog park, growing food, play spaces, person after person saying, we just don't want to see litter in the lots or on the streets, right? So we, um, uh, we started doing litter pickups as a way to bring people together. And that has actually formed into, I would say our first crew to use the micro solidarity language is now we have a crew of, I think there's four of us uh, who every month we get together and we organize a litter pickup on the street. And it's super easy. We know what we're doing. Um, And from there we said, well, let's bring more people together. And so we had a gathering that was a visioning session of Andrew and I did a lot of research, what are the lots that we think we could easily get our hands on, like we did a scale of lots that we think we could have easy access to and nobody would care if we did something on it, lots that we think would be good to do something on but we would probably need permission and then lots that are unlikely that we're going to be able to Anything's going to fly. And um, so we did this whole visioning process thinking like eight people would come and I think over two meetings we had 25-30 people in the neighborhood. Come And it was just this incredibly empowering, exciting experience. And then from that we launched um, at least one more really active crew that's focused on a community garden and then a couple more that are kind of like nascent um, that have really cool ideas but haven't yet gotten the like juice to, to form and to gel and start moving. Um, and again, you know, we were doing all of this before I even found Microsolidarity. And then I found Microsolidarity. I was like, oh, we're already organizing in groups of like three to five and coming together in larger, you know, uh, congregations every so often. And um, we had a cookout back in May, because that was one of the things that came out of our visioning session. People said, wow, we used to have cookouts on the street. And they said, great, let's do a cookout. And so we we did that and used that as a way to gel more people into working together Um So that's really what it's looked like and the underlying purpose is yes we want to do something with vacant lots but more importantly we want people to have a sense of belonging and a sense of community and a sense of I know my neighbors and I know how to work with my neighbors Mm. Um, I've had a breakthrough for myself recently around I've put so much energy into climate activism which is still near and dear to my heart and really really important to me and that's like But my organizing has been for pretty much exclusively, and my coaching has largely been around coaching leaders for social justice and climate action. Um, So elected officials, campaign managers, people at Sierra Club, Greenpeace, all over the place. And um, as I've done that work, I've really seen, oh, We need to be better equipped at the hyper local like block by block level to actually work together if we're ever going to implement any of these climate solutions Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like we just need to be able to work together and take good care of each other um both for implementing the solutions that will hopefully mitigate the climate crisis but also to implement solutions that will need to adapt to the unexpected challenges that come right um so to me that's like the underlying okay let's find some vector for organizing where we live and okay. vacant lots are what we've latched on to mm-hmm. my buddy Andrew just moved up the, the hill and vacant lots are not an issue there so now they're talking about but they have a lot of gardeners so they're using right. composting as a vector to bring people together and start talking about how can we just like whatever we can do to start practicing working together um so that's that's the the organizing in a nutshell we have our next gathering is coming up on september 18th where we're doing like a cleanup day um of the of the lot where we're hoping to turn it into a community garden cleanup day and community visioning session for turning it into a community garden so um yeah that's that's what what's been happening locally and we we have some visions and dreams of starting a nonprofit so that we can start to channel some funds and money towards these projects mm-hmm. in a way that's not just landing in our personal bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, and also do some more robust mutual aid work, um, such so that we're able to actually like essentially have a bank account that we can use to channel money to people who need it. Um, yep. but, uh, also to scale because we're height. we've, we've had success with like a set of blocks on one part of our, of our borough of 8,000 people. So maybe like, Max 30 to 50 people have been actively engaged at one point or another, Um, but there are other areas of our borough that are wanting to do something similar. They see what we're up to and say, we want this. And so we're starting to talk to them about, well, this is what we've done. We're no experts, but like, this is how we've done it so far. And maybe we could someday have a network of these like pods, or we've sometimes been calling them neighborhood assemblies in the Mm -hmm. the sense of fearless cities, neighborhood Mm -hmm. assemblies. how can we network those together to, to share resources together? So I'll pause there, but that's, that's, that's really, really cool. excited about it.
0: Yeah, no, me too. It's cool. It's really, it's really, um, it sounds like you're doing something that has a natural flow to it. So there's like momentum. It's been very um, emergent.
1: It's been very much like, we don't really know what we're doing. We think we're going to do this and this and this and see what happens.
0: I was talking to someone today and their metaphor was uh, the mycelium. So it's like, we have to have, if you have this underground invisible network of dense connections, then you can have the fruiting body of the mushrooms comes up. Um, But if you don't have the network, then the the fruit doesn't come and you can try and make these fruits, but they fall over pretty quickly. And it kind of, it doesn't really matter what the project is so long as you're cultivating that network, the social fabric, the micellular connections. Um, So I guess one question I have is, in your perspective, like if you, you said something about like um, we need to be better equipped for working together at the hyperlocal scale, is it sufficient to bring people together to pick up litter, to have a cookout, to do a Christmas party, or whatever? You know, like just keep smushing people together um, and just trust that that will create enough social capital and You know the system kind of manages itself and the 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 resources start to flow and the connections start to flow and the positive feedback loops kick off from that or are you using a bit more of an intentional engineering approach of like ah we need to equip people with skills that they lack and therefore we don't just do uh, litter pickup we also do a training on communication skills or like yeah where are you on that spectrum from like completely emergent informal to a bit more you know, NGO activist strategy. I would,
1: I would say it's um, it's a good question. The direction we want to be able to go is do more of that skill building. You know, we thus the the Fearless Cities book club that we we yeah. started. We've been meeting. You know, over a series of like, all right, let's do some political education together. Um, I have a vision for us ultimately having, um, I think it'll look like on the crew scale of three to five people, but it, more likely I feel like it it will be closer to like 15 people at a time representing a, a, a block of creating some neighborhood assemblies that are coming together on a regular basis, um, maybe just at, on a time limited basis at first. Like let's let's bring some people together from the block for three months and try out Uh, coming together to talk about what are needs that we have in our own household or that we see in the community, and let's focus on those needs for two or three weeks at a time, right? But in that process, we're going to need to train people on how do you facilitate meetings? How do you do door-to-door outreach for events? And we've already done some of that, right? Um, Doing some political education of how do we just like, actually, what are the nuts and bolts as you said of engineering and structuring a community? Um, ideally we want a lot of people to hold those skills and not just a couple of us, uh, so that it can, the organic growth can happen and organic mm. emergence can happen. Mm. Um, eventually I imagine there being skills for fundraising and skills for, um, I mean, even as practical as, especially as practical as gardening and doing work in terms of, uh, ecological restoration in our area. So, um, I definitely see it being greater than some occasional parties and gatherings. Although I would love for most of our <laughs> gatherings to feel like parties. Um, but the I want I, I think in order to really be lasting and to make an impact, again, people wanna make a contribution. So coming together for a party is fun, but if we don't have the vehicle for people to be working together on something concrete, then it's probably not going to stick and be lasting because it's not actually going to meet people's needs. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that meeting of needs, then we need to do some skilling up. Uh, I feel grateful that I've gotten a lot of training so I can do a lot of training of like, okay, how do we do this? Uh, but then we're going to need to bring a lot of people in from outside to, yeah. to do some of like that too. So yeah. does that answer the question?
0: Yeah. Um, I noticed I've got a little um, fear um, because you use the word scaling and um, I haven't, I've only spent three months in the US, but that was one of the words that freaked me out the most Um, because I kept meeting people that were doing something good and then got into the project of scaling it. And I don't know how to say that. It's hard as an outsider, you know, like to have this perspective and be respectful, but it felt like a, a lot of times the scale killed the magic. Yeah. Um, that that this focus on that just what, what comes along with scale as a frame is like efficiency, um, a kind of service delivery model, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a, a consumer model rather than a mutual aid model. Um, and, and people kind of got distracted by, I mean, like I think one of the struggles in the U.S. is the, the states are not, they don't have enough autonomy from each other. And so everyone's got to have this like really high stakes fight over the national level. But yeah. if there was more federation, if the feder, if the federation was actually really strong, yeah, pe- people could just be different and just be like, yeah, it's fine. You're just yeah. different to me. But yeah. <laughs> but there's one president, and the president's super powerful, so everyone's going to be like super upset about it. Um, and so the same thing happens with scaling that like um, you have to as you as you reach more and more people, you there's this. It seems like there's this pressure in the US, which I don't feel in Europe, um, to Build unity, mm-hmm. and that means you have to have these very painful conflicts and um, and often factions and you know dramas and things happen. But yeah, like I say, that that's just, just something in that frame that seems to invite in all of these really challenging dynamics. And I'm like, is there a different frame that um, still is about growth and it's about reaching more people? Yeah, but just not that word. <laughs> um, I wonder. So uh, like uh, replicating, you know, and like you said, network, I think is, is another example. I think example. replicating
1: might be replicating networking. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure yet that I'm interested, like, even in creating an organization that's at the scale of our local borough yeah. of 8,000 people. Like, we're, yeah. we're playing with that idea because some people have said, oh, we want what you're doing. And Andrew and I have said, like, oh, my gosh, we love what we're doing. And it's taking a lot of energy and we kind of wish we could leave our day jobs and just like do this and figure it out. So my, my, my point being, I'm most interested in seeing the, the scale work at that hyper local level of, I mean, somewhat selfishly, like I want to be really well connected with my like next door neighbors and the people who live across the street from me and have a sense that we can take really good care of each other. And if it was like just that i would be i would be pretty darn happy yeah um and if there's something about that that's working i would love to help other people replicate it in a way that works for them without needing to have like a set of rules of this is how you have to yeah. do it you know or and even me needing to like benefit off of it um for me, for me like when you say
0: that it's really working that to me means it's not dependent on you personally overextending your energy budget that actually there's an abundance of people on your street that can play the role that you're playing and you take turns through the different seasons of your life exactly and that if if you can get that happening in one street and then support the neighboring street to do the same thing then then we then like replicate that by all means but 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 i like don't replicate a thing where
1: everyone's stretched you know and everyone's being instrumentalized No, no, no. No, that's the opposite of what I want. I mean, I I think the sort of scale that I would love to see is, um, again, my my friend Andrew was renting across the street, and then he just bought a house up the hill, which is in a distinct, distinctly different neighborhood of the borough with like different opportunities, different challenges, different people, right? And... I would love to see, I know he would love to see some sense of, but also a similar challenge where he doesn't feel connected and he, he's already noted that other people don't feel connected and that sense of like belonging. So he's trying to figure out uniquely up there, okay, how, how do we gel this up here? And then there comes a time when we're doing the community garden down here and we need some more hands or somebody who's really skilled at, you know, somebody has like a, a, a stump mulcher, right? up the hill, all right, they can come down and help us out because they've built that capacity up the hill in whatever way is working for them, but we can be networked together so that they can come and help us out when we need it. And then when they need some help clearing bamboo because they have this epic overgrown stand of bamboo that's eating up people's yards, we can send a whole crew up from down the hill with machetes to go, you know, whack things up and have a big, you know, party afterwards, right? Um, So having the like, capacity and skills at working with each other on that hyper-local level such that we have the abundance to then be able to share that with people who are our like neighboring neighborhoods Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the sort of scale that I would love to see Mm -hmm. happening you know maybe someday we get really good at that however many years down the line and there's another borough across Pittsburgh that's doing something similar and saying hey Swissvale uh, we have a big, big project. Can you send some of your people who have experience and practice doing this stuff over here and help us out with it? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would be a, you know, and, and then eventually we, uh, we, we figure out how we, uh, uh, get direct democracy happening at the, the legislative level to support <laughs> all of that, right? With yeah. like <laughs> delegates from neighborhood councils to <laughs> the local legislatures, et cetera. But
0: I, I'm just thinking about my own energy budget and, and mapping it across this these, uh, you know, increasing circles of scale. So there's like my crew, uh, mm-hmm. the main one at the moment is the hum, which is, is our, our business. Um, and that's, you know, 70% of my energy. And then there's a, a circle around that, which is called Inspiral, which is like my main home-based community. And I'm only really showing up in, in, with some leadership energy at a scale of about 30 people. Right. Um, and I'm contributing a little bit, but I'm going to back off soon. You know, it's like, doesn't take that much. Um, and then, so that's maybe 20% of my energy. And then then there's macro solidarity, which is, you know, well, there's a few hundred people connected to a few hundred communities. Um and that's like 10% of my energy. So, like as 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 it reaches larger and larger scale, it's like yeah, I've only got a tiny little contribution that I can make there. And all of my focus is on the on the bottom of the, of the stack yep. and yep. trying to cultivate as many people as possible. Like I said, that have replaceable skills. You know that where where that all of these people are active and not that no one in that system is just a passive consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, be- because like my experience with social movements is. The the thing that we're lacking, like the way you described it about these skills of working together at the local scale, I describe it as like hosting capacity. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, you know, you know what it's like to have these intense, polarized, political, you know, very charged conflicts ripping through society. They need someone to host those those conflicts in a peaceful, generative way. Mm-hmm. That means someone needs to have a lot of emotional reserves and intelligence to be able to invite people in and say hey there's difference here let's look at it peacefully you know like let's let's yep. grieve let's celebrate let's move on and that's the missing that's the missing piece in in the um, increasingly polarized western societies we live in and so like for me yeah like picking up the garbage it's one thing it's like but what about organizing garbage picker uppers <laughs> you know do, do you know how to schedule a, 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 a meeting <laughs> yep. that's the um, that's the baby step that gets you know to where we need to where, to where we need to get to and, and and it's tempting to go like oh you've got a really great story here and I can imagine in two years time you go and fundraise for this massive nationwide NGO which has got this like neighborhood something something and it feels somehow like you're doing the right thing but it completely misses the point of yeah. what's needed on the ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 much more interested in the litter picker uppers getting some some skills so that then they have an idea of something different. Like, I don't know, I want to go help people weatherize their houses in the neighborhood. And now I have the ability to do that because I participate in the litter pickups and got some organizing skill. We're we're this month, we're one year into the litter pickups. And just last month the first one happened without me really having much to do with it. Awesome. <laughs> like I awesome. wasn't there. I was in a completely different state. <laughs> you know, I gelled the first meeting to bring people together. And then I was like, okay, go do it. And it That's awesome. That's that's so crucial. That, right.
0: I wonder if you can even write that into your um ways of working somehow. You know, that's actually a that's actually a, a maturity threshold that yeah. the person who started something can leave and it keeps going. Then you know yep. you've you've crossed some kind of threshold then yeah yeah um where my curiosity was going next was um like i briefly mentioned money and you talked about a nonprofit, um and i have thoughts about
1: that (laughs) i wondered where what your thoughts are about it our thoughts about it are very baby (laughs) they're very like nascent um Yeah. Me and Andrew, my, my co-conspirator were like, do we need an official entity? Is that a nonprofit? Is that a worker cooperative? I've learned that there's something called a nonprofit cooperative Mm -hmm. in the state of Pennsylvania, at least. And I don't even know what that is and what that actually means. Um, So we're very much in a research phase of figuring out like, how can we, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of new, but the vision for the nonprofit is, um, how can we support um, people doing projects in their neighborhood uh, and have, in, in Swissvale, in our borough specifically, um, and one of the brainstorms we've had is like, what if we had a core of people who are actually getting paid to do some of the labor that's needed, like clearing vacant lots and planting food and weatherizing houses and, you know, cutting down invasive species and helping people with simple landscaping tasks. Cause a lot of people get really overgrown lots because their landlords are not taking care of them. And what if we had this core that was, part volunteer of people who just were doing it from mutual aid and then part people who are really skilled at doing these things, who are able to dedicate more time and energy to it because we pay them. Um, And maybe that money comes from some combination of fee for service that is on a really accessible sliding scale. And some of it comes from the borough government because we're taking some work off their plate. And some of it comes from grants. And then we have this like crew of people who are really able to, um, not just do manual labor, but also, uh, I don't know, do some things like help facilitate meetings and share some of the skills um, and create like a, start to create cooperative economies. We've talked about three pillars that we're brainstorming of direct democracy. So facilitating, supporting people, training people, helping people really practice direct democracy. Ecosystem restoration. So how can we facilitate better connection with the land and both both ecosystem in terms of natural ecosystem and also human ecosystem. So that's where the piece of like really strong relationships and belonging and uh, connection and capacity for working together comes in. Um, But also doing projects that largely focus on how can we heal the land that we're on Uh, and cooperative economy. So how can we start to um, shape local economies in Swissvale that are more like locally self-reliant. And uh, using the like model of people working at the hyper-local level together, getting support to form at a local level to start to uh, gel and do these projects and the nonprofit is channeling resources to do the projects that are necessary. Um, and I don't know if a nonprofit is the way to do that. I don't, maybe we can just do that without even ever needing to incorporate as anything. Yeah. Our like brainstorm so far is let's just make a nonprofit <laughs> so we have it. And if the magical grant comes our way, we're ready to receive it and have an advisory board um, of, of some neighbors that is helping like hold us accountable. And then just do what else we would normally do that seems to make sense without needing to like make a nonprofit. But yeah. we,
0: like have it. Yeah, um, yeah um that sounds cool i really like these three pillars as well um one i one thing i noted is uh jonas did just recently did an interview with uh this guy pascal in the netherlands okay. um who does local community organizing and they started a bunch of companies around like landscaping and i think oh, like cool. alternative energy sources for houses and you know that um they kind of started in a very really similar way to what you're describing but then cool. supported people to actually start their own you know private companies Um, yeah yeah. and and i i think and i don't know about this but my understanding in that context was like like i say, they're private companies and it's not like they are explicitly funding the commons from from those companies but it's more like the social context is you know these are these are people people we love in our community and they're going to respond with generosity to the other needs that show up um, so it'd be definitely I'll I'll get you the link for that podcast, And also um get Jonas to introduce you to Pascal. Um he'd okay. be great to talk to you. Um what comes to mind for me is having ha- having started a few organizations, um it's it's expensive in time and money. Yeah. Um and I'm thinking the micro solidarity way is always uh, to do it to do a small version first and then and then to iterate and grow and expand from there. Um, so do you know about fiscal hosting?
1: Fiscal hosting? Yeah. No.
0: This is basically like you haven't somewhat, there is a nonprofit that exists and they operate as your fiscal host. So they, um, oh, oh, yeah. meaning they'll do a deal with you so that under certain terms, you can receive tax deductible donations. Um, they'll take care of the accounting, that sort of thing. I know it um, was fiscal sponsorship. Ah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um. So there's a platform called Open Collective, and that's it's basically like a fiscal sponsor as a service. Um. It's extremely easy to get set up. It's kind if you imagine Patreon, but instead of funding one single creator, it's funding a collective. Yep. So you can collect donations, one off or repeated, and then you've got this money there and this like virtual bank account, and then you can spend that money. Um. Either like you buy stuff and then get reimbursed or you send invoices for services done. Um, And everything's 100% transparent to the public. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a really like completely effortless to get set up and gives you a shared bank account um, and a shared place where you can go, oh, look, we're building up resources here. So like in the micro solidarity global network, I set one up and said, I just asked people if you want to come to our monthly calls, can you contribute three bucks a month? Um, and then we can pay a facilitator. Uh, and people are super happy to do that. You know, it's it's a, a way to show some commitment and it means we get to pay someone a hundred bucks a month to run a meeting, which yep. feels good, you know. Um, so I really super highly recommend Open Collective or something like it, like a really super easy step that you can get done in an afternoon and start playing with money. And then, you know, as, as that accumulates, then you have to have decisions about like, hey, who's mm-hmm who's actually, yeah, who's got decision-making say over how we spend this money and like how do we have smart checks and balances and um, yeah, getting, in, getting into that. I think it's useful to have the debates about an actual shared resource instead of doing a lot of work building an organization, anticipating there may be resources in the future. Yeah. Uh, this is, I guess, a general rule for me is that it's much easier to navigate through the rear view mirror so meaning reflecting on recent experiences rather than anticipating future scenarios and trying to simulate and predict what's going to happen um so yeah start collecting the money today and then tomorrow have the debates about
1: how do we spend it cool i i love that idea you know i i really appreciate that that framing because i had thought about fiscal sponsorship but i hadn't thought of it in the perspective of like it's kind of like training wheels because I know starting a nonprofit, I mean, I've, I've started a, a a separate business myself, just the process of figuring out the bylaws and the operating agreement. It's like trying to predict the future. And we just don't have enough experience working together, not really much at all working with money to be able to predict the future. And so it it could be a lower pressure way to get going. Um, And,
0: and you think you're trying to predict the future, but actually what you're doing is dealing with everyone's traumatized projections right exactly Uh, and much easier to do that if there's like a real object in the room and you can at least focus and scope it down a bit
1: yeah absolutely (laughs) Uh, i really appreciate that yeah (laughs) you know that might even be a useful approach for me to take um, with my coaching work you know for my for my my job uh, i've been thinking about what is a better structure for me to get donations to be able to support you know, I, I imagine I've been doing a lot of work with people who then can get coaching paid for by their organizations. Yeah. But as I'm working in communities where leaders are working on various projects, they might, they probably don't have some, you know, million dollar <laughs> nonprofit backing them up. And just the way that money is going to work to be able to pay for my services is going to be different. So how yeah. do I start receiving funding to be able to offer what I do pro bono or low bono? You know in a really accessible way so that fiscal sponsorship might be a good way to
0: to start yeah and i'm thinking like if there's three of you that are offering paid services under the umbrella of this collective or five of you do that first before you go and set up your own thing right
1: right do you know of so you mentioned pascal i'm i'm really interested in connecting with anybody else who's like using micro solidarity or something like it in the context of building community in an already established mm-hmm. neighborhood. Because I think there's a different set of challenges than online communities, right? And it's it's even, even different set of challenges than say eco village where people are coming together and saying, hey, we're gonna build this community from the ground up. It's more like, all right, we all bought houses next to each other. Some people have lived here for 60, 70 years uh, we don't necessarily have a lot of choice of who's here and how they think and what they're interested in, but nevertheless, we want to form community. How do we do that? Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a few people, I think, um, I mean, we're going to have our first big network gathering in Denver, um, in a couple of months. So, that's where I really get a chance to be on the ground in the States and, and get to know people in a real deep way. But um, what I do know already in Denver, uh, Drew Hornbines there. And he he's, if you go to um, sharedground.co, it's the website um, they have taken over an abandoned church and they're actually incorporating as a church too, as a kind of secular church because there's some real benefits to doing things that way. Could be the right mod mode for you too. I mean, sure, it's an yeah. interesting one. That is interesting. Um, but I mean, just jump into the, the Micro Solidarity Discord and there's a channel for Shared Ground Denver and talk to Drew there. Um, and he's, okay, cool. he's, 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 he's awesome. It's he's like a really great organizer. Is um, there a link
1: for that on the, the website to get hooked up to the Discord? I right,
0: yeah. find it. Yeah. Um, and then there's another channel on there called Blivanda, And Blivanda is a, a Swedish word. Um, I think it means becoming. Uh which is nice because it's like you have the belonging and then you have the becoming being uh-huh. the like the developmental thing. They run a a kind of creative arts co-working community center in Sweden. Um and that it's not quite the same, it's not neighborhood organizing, yeah, but it is very much place-based, you know, and and um they do have to deal with the municipality and, and those sorts of things. So um yeah, I mean, uh, my vision for the Discord is that it's a space where people in your role, uh, first of all, you can just have a channel there and talk about what you're doing, but then you can just drop into other people's channels and, and say, hey, I've got questions, but hey, handle handled this question, da, 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 you know? So um, I really want that to be like an open switchboard kind of matchmaking thing. Um, and yeah, I think my... Contacts on the ground in the U.S. are a little bit weak. And, and I keep saying the U.S. because I think the social context there is so distinct.
1: And that's what's really important to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it very much is. Ah,
0: um, oh, do you know um, the network called Building Belonging? No. Buildingbelonging.co as well, I think. Um, I don't know if they're currently open. Check, check if they're open. They have to, they have periods where they take in a new cohort. Um, they're all community organizers, um, and lots of them are familiar with micro solidarity stuff. Some of them will be at the gathering. Um, they, I, I'm just thinking I should get some of them into the Discord and have them open a channel as well. But yeah. um, there's a bunch of people on the ground there that are definitely doing this kind of stuff. Cool. So Is yeah, the- see if they open, see if the doors open, and if it's not, I'll give you a, a personal introduction.
1: is there still room at the the gathering in denver yeah there's like five seats left i think okay. so I've, I've been on the fence because it, my, it's my cousin's wedding that weekend <laughs> and it's <laughs> like oh here's this really cool opportunity to like stretch and be in a new community and my family which is a really important community so yeah anyway
0: um we're going to be hanging around in denver uh for the following week as well so like if you, if you miss the gathering, but you can come later, there'll be kind okay. of informal events and stuff happening. So cool. that's an option. And the, the, that's the church space shared ground. We're hoping that that becomes a kind of like local hub for micro solidarity people in Denver. Cool. Um, I don't know about Philadelphia, um, mm-hmm. but you know, it depends who shows up.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool if some folks came from Pennsylvania
0: uh um, oh, pennsylvania yeah i am um,
1: well philadelphia have, have, is 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 the other major is the 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 major city in, in pennsylvania and pittsburgh is the other one on the other side of the state ah, that people forget about ah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but we're 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 five and a half hours driving apart so it's like <laughs> very very different places different different countries in europe <laughs> practically <laughs> practically here too to be honest it's uh the accent the language is different everything um it's all english but is it Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, along a similar lines i'm 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 also really looking for mentorship right now for someone who's like or a crew of people who have had success building community in existing neighborhoods you know ideally in those areas of like that are diverse regarding race and age and economic background um any any ideas that you have there for people who have like had success and it sounds like probably the same people who you've already pointed me to is where to look
0: but um yes it is um i would just jump into the discord and, and open a question just in the main general channel just does anyone want to join me in this inquiry and uh, you may find some people i yeah i think the building belonging community is actually going to be a bit closer to what you're looking mm-hmm. for cool. um yeah i like you mentioned racial diversity for example i think that's like a that's a whole domain of expertise that I haven't got, and and um, it hasn't been a focus yet in the microsolidarity network. So, building Uh-oh. belonging, they're paying a lot more attention there.
1: Well, that's a cool opportunity too. That's as I am shaping, let's say, a coaching model around yeah. supporting people at the community level. Um, those principles of uh, you know Jedi principles—justice, equity, diversity, inclusion—are something that I'm really looking at okay, let's build these in as central. uh, I'm working with an organization called Holistic Underground Mm -hmm. um, that has a whole model for, how do we train people on, you know, what's traditionally known as DEI work uh, in a way that makes it irresistible, in a way that is really about supporting people to grow and make a contribution instead of the very typical getting shamed for not knowing or doing the right things. and I think any community work has to stand on a foundation of skills for justice, equity, diversity, inclusion, especially in the States, but I think anywhere. Um, and so I'm, I'm gonna be leading a book study starting in uh, October of the core material from Holistic Underground. I've gotten the blessings from their executive director and training from him to to bring it out into the world. So um, maybe there's a, a spot to do something with that in the micro solidarity crew.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I can be honest, like I'm a bit cagey about this stuff because so much of what's currently happening under the banner of justice and equity is coming from a whole theoretical framework that I think is fundamentally counterproductive. Mm-hmm. And so I absolutely agree with the the stated aims, um, but the approach is just like,
1: I don't have any confidence that it's going to deliver. I'd be really curious to dig into <laughs> that with you more, because it's like I, 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 I agree in a lot of ways. I think a lot of how it's been done is really uh, unproductive at best, sometimes or counterproductive. Yeah. Um, and uh, interested in some new angles, because to me, there's no doubt that justice, equity, diversity, inclusion are important, and yeah. we some new perspectives on how do we cultivate those practices and, and skills for sure
0: the short version is i i published a newsletter a while ago called um metamodern social justice so metamodern being the phase that comes after postmodern mm-hmm. postmodern being all of this deconstruction and and pointing out what's wrong with stuff and and then metamodern being constructive and saying this is what we stand for this is how we're getting there and it's much more developmental and somatic and yep trauma informed. Um, And so and there, I've kind of pointed to, these are the people that I see, mostly in the US, that are pushing the social justice movement in that direction. Like, I think, I think there is, especially on the somatic side of things, I think that's really warming up in a way that was completely invisible, like three years ago. So that's, that's really promising that people are attending to the embodied experience. Um, Rather than, you, you know, like what I'm reacting uh, against is like these spaces that i've been in where we kind of set people up to all be categorized as good people and bad people mm-hmm. and and then yeah it's just like priming the pump for for conflict and polarization and absolutely it's like everyone gets really tense instead of what we need people to be is like tender and, and
1: squishy you know exactly yeah 100 percent um i uh, Because you're talking about somatics in this context, I take it you've read my grandmother's hands, or or I haven't, but um, my wife read it, and I picked up some Uh, biastmases. Highly recommend. Um, Well, I I guess I say that with full recognition that the American context is, you know, I'm a different audience than you are for Resma's work. I think, (laughs) Um, but. uh, really, really, really has been powerful, um, and perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, uh, I want to make this work about growth and it being irresistible to create a future where we can all really thrive and, um, I think the a, a perspective that I've heard more recently from a couple of people who I think are, are leading well on this is like setting aside the dichotomy of call in and call out and all the polarities that that sets up to uh, calling forth and acknowledging that people mm-hmm. want to make a contribution and how do we support them to grow to make the contribution that they're here to make instead of shaming them for uh, what skills they don't have yet. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, I'm sure we'll be yeah. on that for a while.
0: I mean, I, yeah. I think shame is the key. It's the key emotion. It's like, how do we metabolize shame rather than adding more to the system? Yep. Yep. And it's it's like, when that, when we know that's what the mission is, it's actually quite achievable. You know, like there's a whole world of practice around that.
1: Yep. And and I I think it's like, that's, that's some of the support that's needed in our communities, because I think one of the biggest challenges that I've run into just on my own block is, all right, if we're going to in relationship together we need to talk together which means talking to neighbors and there's a lot of shame and fear connected to just talking to neighbors yeah and like overcoming the worries and doubts that are really natural that come along with with that yeah and um i'm excited to see how to apply my coaching model and framework to supporting people to go past where they might normally stop themselves along those mm. lines. Mm. Fundamentally, not just in like doing cool stuff, but being with each other in a way that's really powerful and, and empowering. Mm. Um, which reminds me that I wanted to to chat with you a little bit too about coaching stuff in uh, maybe our final minutes. You know, yeah. to to support you with that. So, what what questions do you have along those lines?
0: Um, so because of my uh you know my um my backstory what happened in my family of origin and all the rest um which, which I've heard a little bit about on the on the <laughs> on the podcast right. um <laughs> I I don't accept uh I don't really know how to gracefully accept authority outside of myself mm-hmm. so I'm not really interested in um reading a lot of books and um go to school and this kind of thing. Uh, and I have, I have learned how to use my inner compass to steer me towards what's my contribution. And it, and it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have found in my life that I can just kind of pick up the 20% of a topic that gives me 80% of the skill mm-hmm. and I don't need to worry about the rest. Um, so like with coaching, I've learned if I just bring a lot of presence,
1: mm-hmm. curiosity, questions, um, and myself, you know,
0: like my honest response, just be transparent and on the level with people um, that, well, people are willing to keep coming back and paying me to spend time with me. Yep. Which is like a pretty obvious threshold of like, are they getting value or not? Um, and, and all that I lack is, you know, sometimes in a relationship, there's not like obvious chemistry or sometimes they're facing a challenge. That's like, I feel stumped or something, you know, like nothing, nothing emerges. Those are moments where I'd love to be able to just pull a tool out and say like, okay, well, why don't we try, we'll just run this process for the next 20 minutes and that might help you find clarity. So what I want from you, I think, is the 20%. Um, the simplest stuff, the thing that it's it's not about developing some incredible depth over 10 years of practice. It's just like, no, it's this PDF where you go like step one, step two, step three. Cool. Um, some of those things that have really made a difference for you.
1: Yeah. Well, um by the way, I can go a little over time. I don't know. I, can... I, yeah, I, I can too, about about 10 minutes over. Um what is, I think you, you already pointed to something that's really important that I just wanna like acknowledge, which is um, I think 90, maybe 99% of coaching is the coach sees who they are and the client, the coach sees who the client is. Such that when they're together, you know, uh, the client sees who they are,
0: mm.
1: right. And is able to, to kind of settle in to some, some inner wisdom, you know, the, the coaching model that I use and Jonas use, w- is very much about people have their own answers. Right. And it's not our job to, we, we might have some ex- expertise and we'll make some suggestions sometimes, cause it'll, it, it'll likely make it easier for them. Right. Um, but for the most part, it's about holding that space for their answers to to, to come forth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> I have an article that I think is, let me see if I can find it. Um, you know, I'm just gonna, instead of taking time finding it, I'm just gonna write it down and I'll send it to you later. Um, so, um, you know, so then most of coaching is not so much about a process, but the the processes that are there are about helping my client contact their own voice of wisdom, Hmm. right? Hmm, And um, so then it's not about like trying to come up with a process that's going to engineer it necessarily. It's, and by the way, my degree is in electrical and computer engineering. I've been in the engineering space. I know how to engineer something, right? It's been my greatest lesson and challenge in coaching is like breaking out of all the conditioning of an engineer to try to solve it and fix the problem for somebody else and to just like, all right, I don't know what the answer is. Let me, what I do know is how to hold the space so that you can see what the answer is for you. Um, the article I'm going to share with you gives uh, a, a, a very simple way to um, tap into that voice of wisdom. And, and it really often comes down to um, helping people connect with who they are. And that might be about identifying a set of core values that you remind them of. Right. Um, we have a practice in our coaching model uh, called Standards of Integrity, which is about identifying uh, integrity being wholeness and standard being like uh, a set of principles, a set of guidelines. Right. Right. Um, such that when you're demonstrating your standards of integrity, you are, um, you're aligned with who you truly are and your actions produce an experience of harmony and satisfaction and fulfillment and, and, and coherence, right? So then when you have some clarity of, okay, what are my like eight to 12 standards of integrity that I can really look at this card? For example, I am ontological loving generous savvy playful truthful vulnerable compassionate joyous present supportive and i know that these are mine cuz i see them in other people hmm. i can i can check in with that and say oh yeah this is who i am what would somebody with these standards of integrity have to say mm-hmm. about the question that I'm bringing? Right. Which is great because it, it it doesn't end run around the amygdala, right? It's, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 we're not actually going to look at, okay, well, you have those standards of integrity, so what are you going to do? It's project yeah. that onto somebody else. Don't worry, mm-hmm. it's not about you, it's about somebody yeah. else. What would they have to say about your question? I did this with a client yesterday, and it's like all the pretense, all the worry just kind of melted away. And they're like, oh yeah, this is the thing to do. Great. None of it being advice that came out of my mouth. Um, so, I'll say that you know, I wish I could give you that tool and give you a handout for this is how you guide people through standards of integrity. But it's I got it. Like,
0: yeah, I, this is good. What would yeah. somebody with your values do in this situation? Cool. <laughs> yeah. And and I know to pre-prime them a little bit to get those values ahead of time. And yeah, yeah, yeah you can put, do whatever work you know, whatever yeah. process
1: works for you. Um, Yeah. And I mean, that is really then the, like, really that, that gets to the heart of the whole coaching model that, that, that I use from from this ontological coaching model, this, this, it's about how you're being, Hmm. uh, in, in the world. And so Hmm. when you're connected to who you are, who you're willing to be, then the monkey mind worry just kind of, you can, you can shift your attention more easily. And there's a lot of skills and a lot of practices and a lot of practice for like, okay, how do you, how do you as coach also know who you are so you can have your shit out of the way to be, but I know you've done a lot of that work, you know, for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. I feel good about that. So you're so doing good stuff.
0: That's stuff that um, <laughs> no. stuff that I got without needing a recipe, which is lucky. I mean, it would have been nice to have the recipe. It would have been more efficient, but yeah. So um, that's, that's how it goes.
1: There's, there's that. And then um there's another kind of fun article by the same author who's just uh, Maria Nemeth who is the the person who uh uh you know is the person behind the coaching model and um uh no longer the sole holder of it because she's 80 something and is in the process of passing it off to some other people which is really great <laughs> um but she, there's another article about um uh how to train your brain from a place of anxiety and worry and doubt to uh being able to shift from those worries to what's most important to you using gratitude as a practice mm-hmm. interestingly gratitude is just an easy way to do the training it's not actually the the point of it um, but it's called the gratitude protocol so I'll send that to you which can be useful when a cl- like sometimes you want a, a client you want to help them as- access that voice of wisdom and the metaphor i use is it's like knocking on the house of your voice of wisdom and you know, you look at your values and you know, you knock on the door and say, okay, voice of wisdom, what do you have to say? And monkey mind, worry and doubt opens the door. And you might do that over and over and over again. And that's just what's in the space. So sometimes right. you need some practices to like soothe and calm down the amygdala, right. which is very often some brain training that needs to happen. Yeah. Um so the other article is is just a simple practice for building the muscle for that shift for people. Uh sometimes that's the most of what they need, you know, at that moment. Um anyway
0: that's awesome i mean it's nice to know as well that gratitude stuff is pretty well verified by neuroscience as well that just like looking for gratitude shifts your brain state so that's a good reminder and and this um i think i'm naturally a very appreciative person but um some of my clients are not
1: (laughs) well it's so it's so interesting right because it's like maria describes this in the article but Gratitude is a something like your, your brain can't experience anxiety at the same time that you are looking for what you're grateful for. And that's the important operative point there is it's it's actually not so important what it is that you're grateful for. It's, it's putting your brain's attention on looking for what you're grateful for. And in that moment, the volume of the anxiety and the worry and the doubt turns down a little bit. And so if you can use gratitude to train your brain to say, okay, I am going to look, consider what I'm grateful for. The the practice is really cool. It's like, look at what you're write down two post-it notes. One post-it note, what you're anxious about. Second post-it note, something you're grateful for. Look at the first post-it note for seven seconds, feel it, get into it, experience that, that anxiety, then shift what you're grateful for, 17 seconds. Just stay in that space. Then go back to anxiety, then back to gratitude. Do that three times and then set it down And what of course happens for people is they say, oh my gosh, I felt so much better when I was looking at the gratitude. I wanna do that all the time. And you say, no, you do this three times a day and only three times a day. There will be moments when you're saying, oh, let me do the gratitude thing because I'm feeling anxious. No, this is about telling your brain who's boss. So you're gonna tell your brain, all right, brain, I hear you. We're gonna think about this anxious thing later when we do the gratitude practice. We're not gonna do the gratitude practice now because that would just be like, you know, you know." getting out of yeah. of trouble right yeah um, just a fresh dopamine loop yeah exactly exactly so you, you you're bringing intention just using the gratitude to practice telling your brain where to look because it's it's easy to look at gratitude when you're mm. really doing it so mm. i love that mm, <laughs> that's awesome so useful
0: this is great this is exactly what i was looking for just some okay of, the simple pieces good um we need to wrap up yeah. we have recorded this conversation and we haven't agreed what to do with it I have a proposal. I would like to put it publicly on the internet, knowing that a very small number of people will watch it and some of them may have just what you need and would reach out to you and and connect. Uh, Do you consent?
1: Um, Can I listen to it first? Yes. And then consent, because I want to be really clear that, uh, especially, and, and I might ask to cut out the bit of the coaching piece at the end here. Uh, Cause sure. I want to be really clear that you know, sure. I'm above board with sharing <laughs> <laughs> details from the coaching model. In the way yeah. I, I think I am, but I want to hear it. Yeah. But cool. yeah, I was thinking I would love to have this published. So I great. think that would be really great. great.
0: Um, the motivation for me to publish is, uh, yeah, I hope it helps you make good connections. And for me, yeah. it's like, I try not to repeat myself as much as possible. And so if I can have something to point other people to and say, Oh, we had similar questions, go, go listen to that one. And then talk to me but that helps I a lot that. too.
1: I love it. Yeah. I, uh, yes. And uh, I'd love to listen to it if you can send it my way and then we sure. will sure. go from there. Cool. Ha. Very good. Thank you. This has been generative and rich and, um, I'm really grateful for just who you are and what you're doing in the world. I think it's, it's, it's been such a contribution to me and I, I can tell for so many other people and, um, I hope to stay in touch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hang out with us on Discord and um, in, a, in a couple of months, let's have another call and see where you're at. I love that. I love that. Nice.
1: Great. All right, Rich. Have a good day. Or evening Ta- as it may be. <laughs> yeah. Time to yeah. start. Bye.